Welcome to the Tulumininia podcast, presenting stories from the women living in Tulum, Mexico. Be inspired by their life in the jungle, find out what makes Tulum so unique and get to know the favorite places of the locals. Hola and welcome to a new episode of the Tulumininia podcast with a story of another inspiring woman who lives in Tulum. Today we will get to know Anaïs van Sul, who is the director of her project Movida Maya, that supports the indigenous youth and culture of the region. Welcome Anaïs, it's so great to have you on the podcast today. And so for all the listeners who hear from you for the first time, please introduce yourself. So who are you, where are you from and, and what are you doing? Well, thank you for the invitation. Um, my name is Anais. I'm 37 years old now. Um, I live in Tulum now since 2013. It's been almost 10 years. I saw a lot of change here, <laughs> but this is my home now. I'm from Belgium and I'm a sociologist. And now uh, it's been four years. I'm the co-director and co-founder of the nonprofit organization called Movida Maya. Um, we work with teenagers aged 12, 18 years old from the Mayan communities and also here in Tulum. Wow, so great. And there are, of course, so many things I would like to um, ask you and so many things you can share with us about your yes. project and your life here. But first of all, I would love to know um, how did you end up from Belgium here in Mexico in Tulum? What is your story connected to Tulum? My story uh, started in Belgium. <laughs> I was studying a PhD um, in sociology in Paris and in Brussels. I was working in um, all the question about poverty, education, delinquency. My PhD was about the underground economy in the poor neighborhood in Brussels and Paris. Uh, it was very intense. I was meeting a lot of amazing people, people living some difficult conditions also. And I was a real passionate woman <laughs> working in this academic field. But at the point I was asking myself if it was the the good career for me because the academic career is really special you are sometimes uh, really uh, working between uh, your own world academic world university talking with other colleagues but sometimes i was feeling that i wanted something more concrete you know on the field and i was really like asking me a lot of questions about my career And at the same moment, I was living a very difficult relationship, uh, kind of emotionally uh, violent. So all this at the same time, I was like, okay, I need a break. I need, I need to, to breathe and, and think about it. And I discovered um, diving, scuba diving at that moment. And I met also a man, he is today my, uh, my man, my husband, <laughs> uh, 
uh, and I met him in Belgium and he was already living here in Tulum and he said hey you should come there is a lot of cenotes you can dive here you can maybe work as a scuba diver uh, instructor and I was like oh it sounds good no so I check about the cenote I saw the beautiful place uh, that we have here in Tulum and I decided to come and I worked during a few years as a scuba diver instructor. But after two months here, I felt something. I really felt something different and I felt that I wanted to stay. So it was really a huge decision for me because deciding to stay here was really... Uh, I was deciding to stop my career, no? I was... Uh, so, of course, all my colleagues, uh, my director of research in Belgium, they were pretty upset. They were like asking me, why are you doing that? Why are you leaving? You have a career here. Uh, you can be a teacher at the university. You are doing an amazing job. I was pretty good in what I was doing. So I had a lot of... Uh, I was known, you know, in in the academic, in sociology, in this sociology small world, because I was doing very beautiful investigation on the field. Uh, and so everybody was like in shock, you know, why are you stopping something that you're doing well and you can have your career, you can have a beautiful and safe salary and, you know, all that. And my family, of course, were like, they were supporting me, but at the same time, they were like not understanding me, you know, because they were like thinking maybe it's just a, a moment that you want to leave, but you are going to regret. But I was sure I, I won't regret. So it was a long, 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 long way to, to really say I stop. I stop my PhD. I stop my career and I start something new here um, why I did it because I felt Tulum was offering me the possibility to be who I want to be in the way I want to be with no pressure at all it it could seem like really naive to say that um, but uh, there is something here. There is something. Tulum offer you all the opportunities you ha you you want, if you take it. No, you need to take it. Of course, uh, it's not like just offering you and coming to you. No, you have to take it. But here, there is something really strong where you can start from zero something. And when I arrived ten years ago, I met so many people that had the same kind of story than mine. They had very good diploma. They were an, another friend. She was also doing a PhD. Uh, I have another friend that was working, really good working in the publicity and advertising world. I have another friend, he was a lawyer. So, you know, all that kind of really stable career. And they arrived here and they changed. Like they opened a restaurant, another one opened a wedding organization uh, company event. Uh, others start to work in uh, architectures or, or nature guide. Or, so like the possibilities here are huge if you take it. 
uh, and maybe now things are changing in Tulum, but when I arrived, everybody that I met here, everybody, they arrived for the same reason. They arrived to live more connected to the nature, to d develop uh, professional work, but with a little more freedom than in Europe. Uh, freedom in the schedules, freedom in the way you want to do it. Um, no pressure, like soci social pressure about having a baby and do a loan to buy a house and make your career and here everything was open, you know. So when I arrived here, I was not conscious that in Belgium I was stuck in this. I was not conscious. It's once I arrived here that I, I realized that I was more free here. And it's this freedom, this um, easy happiness, this connection to nature, um, this community also that made me stay in Tulum. Now the thing I may be different uh, because I see it's been three, two years that we see a lot of people mm -hmm. arriving to live in Tulum, a lot, a lot. Yeah. But what I see is that they want, they want their New York here. So they don't care to speak Spanish. They don't care about being in Mexico. They don't care to have their residency. They don't care to, you know, they just want their own, their little New York, but here under the sun and making money. And I hate, I hate this sentence. I, making money it's, for me is like really the worst thing ever you can think to as a goal for your life. It's super selfish. It's not bringing anything to the world. Um, and it seems that a lot of people now arriving in Tulum because they hear about Tulum as a place to make money. And when you want to make money, you are selfish. So you're not conscious about all the rest and you don't know Tulum and you don't know the environment and you don't know the situation about the ocean and the situation about the sanity and the fact that there is no water uh, treatment system in Tulum and the fact that they are cutting all the trees to build uh, thousands of apartments for who? Not for homeless people, not for local people, for tourists, no? But who, who would like to come in a place with one million apartment and no access to the beach and no water treatment system and, you know? So there is now this gap, huge gap between these new people arriving to make money and live their life as it was New York than 10 years ago or 20 years ago where people were coming also from other country and but in this idea to to live in a harmony no uh, with nature with local people with this new community we were building here in Tulum
So things are changing. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing all this that you just said. There is so yeah. much, so much in it. Yeah. Sorry. And, no, it's <laughs> super good. Super good. I love that. Um, that you like already opened up also the the today Tulum yeah. and compared it to the old Tulum. But before we go to the now, I would uh, like to go a little bit uh, back to your story yeah. where you um, where you said, um, and I can so relate to your story because I felt the same way. This is also how I was. I was also in a career path and I had all everything and uh, in the career I could go straight up the, the career ladder. Um, but um, I came to Tulum and and said no this is it for me um so i can relate so well <laughs> to this and i would like to um uh, ask a question um because i think there are some people listening right now who maybe are feeling the same mm -hmm. um like that they are stuck in their life or maybe that they want to change something and maybe um yeah listen to this and feel inspired so i would like to know this is a brave movement you made right like leaving everything like this promised career behind and um what was your internal um security that made you say no i i will do the other other stuff that's maybe uncertain um so what 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 was the security inside of you um not sure i have this security <laughs> in fact i'm I did it uh, because I felt I, I, it was an intuition, you know, when, and I like to trust intuition we, and staying connected to our intuition because sometimes, most of the time, they are good <laughs> and they are giving us the answer we are looking for. And my intuition at that moment was like, try, try, just try. And if it's not working, well, you can still go back and you have resource to to go back and find a job and you know um, so this I ha I had nothing really to lose yes of course I was losing big my career but at, at the end you realize that if really something it's not working you can always finding so something else so go back and you know i was like just try because if you don't try now when right so it's opportunity it's opportunity a lot of friends they were telling me oh you're so lucky to live in mexico and tulum and the sun and, and i was like it's not luck it's a choice so if you are waiting in your life for luck well, you can have good luck sometimes, no? But I think luck is just uh, the way you open your eyes on the situation in front of you. You know what I mean? You can, you can have a situation in front of you and you are not opening your eyes that it, this is maybe a luck, you know? And so you don't see it and you, and you continue your own way. So... Yeah, it's just like you have to stay in connect to this intuition and when you feel also that you are not perfectly right at the right place, never be afraid to change, you know, 
because if you're not really good in the right place, it's it can be worse because you're already not really well. So just try something else, you know. But it's not easy. It's not magic. That's something that also I want to say. Because sometimes I can give the impression to my friends staying in Belgium that, uh, oh, I live under the sun and I have so many new friends here. And like, like if it was easy, but it's not easy. First, it's a choice you made and you arrive in a place you don't know. You, you don't have your family. You don't have your best friends. You have to connect to create new relation. You have to... Uh, <laughs> fight a little to have your to be legal here to have your papers to you know it's exhausting it's like it's not easy uh, so it's it's not just magic and how ah, you change your life and you live under the sun and no you you have to work you have to find money to live you have to find a, new, a place to live it's not so easy in Tulum sometimes um, but Trusting in your intuition, taking the opportunity you have, feeling, no feeling, and but security, I'm not sure I had, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so good, but you had intuition, <laughs> yeah, and, and that's that's the best security yeah. you can have, I guess. Tell me a little bit about your project, Movida Maya, um, how it came to be, and what its its mission and its vision. Mm -hmm. So. Um, I developed Movida Maya with a friend called Julie. She's anthropologist, uh, and both we we arrived and decided to live in Tulum. No, at the point, and both we arrived here with our uh, knowledge, acad academic uh, uh, background. So it was like. Uh, not normal, but yeah, that we put this uh, academic background here, like to for people living here and working here in the social. No? So we start to um, we wanted to do something to this to develop something a nonprofit, but we were like it's important we do it well. We need to really know what's happening here, what's the needs. Uh, and how we can respond to the needs because there is a lot of non-profit or there is a lot of people trying to help in a way but sometimes they are not really uh, adapting their their desire to help to the real needs you know and it's not some it's not always easy to work in the social because you come from uh, as a foreigner you know and you want to help so you you need to understand people. You need to know what's their daily life, what's their uh, problems. Um, so we spend one year to uh, interview people and to analyze the situation here uh, in the Riviera Maya. And we realize that a lot of Mayan communities are really impacted by the frenetic urban development uh, of the zone. Um, with the time, a lot of adults uh, from the communities and the village, they start to come in Tulum to, to work. 
And most of the time um, they are working in the most vulnerable um, job, you know, unpaid, uh, with no uh, insurance, stuff like this. Uh, and they do a lot of, uh, it's a lot of transportation to come to work and go back to the village. So what's happening in the village, um, during the time uh, the parents are working, the kids are alone, there is no more uh, transmission, intergenerational transmission of the culture, um, the local knowledge. Um, and also by the time people start to connect with the globalized world and the cities, a lot of men start to drink. And I talk about it because it's a real situation we have in the village. So the men start to drink and spend the money with in the, the alcohol, no? So what happened, the women that were still in the communities start also to go to the city to find a salary. And so the kids were really now alone uh, with parents uh, dealing with the emergency economic situation. And we observed uh, a lot of young people dealing uh, between their traditional world, the village and Mayan culture, and this globalized world. And they are lost between the two because they don't want to be really part of the old traditional world. They are teenagers, as every teenager in the world, they want to be part of a, the world, you know. But at the same time, this globalized world say to them, you're not, you don't have the code to be part of it. You don't have the money, you don't have the clothes, you don't have, you know. And so they are between the two and they are like lost, lost in their identity. Who I am? Am I Maya? A Mayan? Or am I a Mexican? Or am I a real human being part of this planet? You know? And we see a lot of teenagers uh, in this uh, uh, lo being lost, and so they sometimes they do bad choices. So no, they connect with uh, delinquency, with the cartels. They stop school. Um, they have boyfriend, girlfriend at a very young age. Uh, we see a lot of uh, young um, women pregnant at age fifteen. Um, and observing all this and talking with mothers, with fathers, with a teacher of school, with the chief, uh, chief of the community, we start to think, okay, we have something to do here to support uh, the community to one day have their local economy back uh, in the village and not outside because they are losing all their local knowledge because there is no more this, this intergenerational transmission, you know. So we decided to offer daily workshop, a weekly workshop to these young teenagers in the community um, and workshop based on their own cultural identity, no? And the idea is to open their horizon, what they can do with their own environment, with their own local knowledge, um, traditions, to bring back the economy inside of the village. 
So now we, well, every week, every, almost every day, uh, we offer activities about um, sustainable living, environment, uh, health, tradition and history. I'm not Mexican, I'm not Maya, so I'm not giving the workshop to bring back, you know, to them their own knowledge. Or I'm not the one saying that I'm going to support, to help them to, to learn about their own culture. No, I have a whole team and we have a lot of guests. Uh, so we invite a lot of people that can share their own uh, professional uh, skills, knowledge with our teenagers and from 12 to 15 years old they are following our activities and when they start to have to our um, when they start uh, 15 16 years old they can start uh, how you say professional internship program that we we start with them that they can develop really professional skills now and the idea is in the long term they can develop start to develop inside of the village a professional uh, project that Movida Maya will support and bring back the, the economy in the village and not outside no? we have to well people that are listening now they have to know that I think a lot of tourists and even people in Tulum, living in Tulum, and even some Mexican people, uh, we have a false idea of the commun Mayan communities. Um, most of the time, tourists arrive here and say, oh, we want to visit the Mayan community. You know? And they have this romantic idea of the Mayan community. Uh, like if it was a beautiful little village with palapa, where people cultivate the maize and uh, the corn, I mean, <laughs> in English, um, and with their, their animals and, you know, this, this image, very cute and yeah. romantic. It's a little bit like a Disneyland kind of image. image yeah. Mm -hmm. And so when they visit a community, they, they are kind of, disappointed because sometimes it's pretty ugly there is a, a lot of trash on the floor uh, the house are not palapa anymore they are block concrete block you know uh, so it's like but it's the result of this you know of what's happening here is the result of the connection of this this globalized world of course people want start to have concrete block to build their house um, they start to uh, to not cultivate their own corn or their own fruits because there is new shop in the community so with the little money they have they will buy a coca-cola and chips and then they will throw away the plastic but there is no truck coming for the trash in the communities because people are not paying the tax, you know, so there, there is no truck coming. So you can say to these people, put your trash in a bag. Okay. And then what, where is, where is going the bag? 
staying there anyway. So that kind, you know, that kind of situation in this this community, it's not it's not so beautiful. It's not so easy to live there anymore. It's uh, there is a lot of uh, tension sometimes in the between families now because stories of lands of whatever. So jealousy and um so we decided with Movida Maya to start to work in a community called Chumpon. It's in the south of Tulum. It's about like 45 minutes south of Tulum. And in this community, well, it's one of the community that's, it, they are not really going well. <laughs> there is a lot of problem of trash. There is a lot of problem of jealousy between families and individualism there is a lot of problem of kids staying alone because there is a lot of bus from the all-inclusive hotel here coming to chumpon so imagine it's more than one hour they go to offer 100 pesos to the people over there that they can come in the bus work the day as a clean lady or in the, the hotel and coming back to Chumpon. And they earn like that. now it's like hundred maybe hundred twenty pesos. It's twenty pesos that is like the six day. dollars a day. Yeah. It's the minimum salary, legal salary in Mexico. So they go in the bus, they go to work eight hours, ten hours, they come back one hour and some of them work during the night because there is shift also for the night. And it's, yeah, it's creating a empty community, you know? Um, so we start to work there because we felt that this community had kind of problems about being community, you know? Being community, being sustainable. They are not sustainable. We had the crisis of the pandemic due to COVID and they had no food, no money and no, so they couldn't buy food. But it's very sad when you think that before they had all the food they wanted by the agriculture they had. But because they are leaving the community to work, they are not working the land anymore. And the uh, oh, some, yes, and the youth like, also doesn't know anymore how to do it. Right? Exactly, exactly. The Our young participants of Movida Maya, for example, they have no contact with the lands. So now it, it was really this now. Okay, let's start in this community and working with uh, the, the teenagers about that, you know, about the the being conscious about what's your environment, how to preserve it, how to live with it, you know, because your environment is giving you resource. I never want to say to my young participant that they have to work like their grandparents, you know. I was a teenager too. I wanted to be part of this world. I wanted to speak English. I wanted to travel. So. It's really normal that any kids growing up wants to know about the world and wants to develop it as own passion, you know. But I want to tell them always, look around you, 
you have all the resources you need to live, to do something, to be creative. So we invite a lot of people in the workshop and working with them about all that. No? And we, we do um, a collective garden, planting with them, doing the compost. We do art, we do a lot of field trip that they can know also their own uh, place because the tourists, they come and they visit Siankan or the Cenote. But my kids, they never swim in a Cenote. They never saw a Cenote. Some of them never saw the beach. How you can ask them to defend and protect this land if they don't know it, you know? So we do that. <laughs> and then in the few, when they are growing up, we help them to, to, to their professional uh, start career no yes yeah. wow so so interesting um this work and um all the yeah connections and troubles that we yeah. have also yeah uh, in this zone due to this clash of the native culture and yeah. the, the tourism right yeah so i would like to give like a little uh, info add an addition to to the listeners who have never heard about What we are talking about, we are talking yes. about Mayans, Mayan community. So just to give a little additional info to this. So maybe you're thinking of traveling to Tulum. Maybe you already have been here and you know the ruins. I say yeah. that in parenthesis mm -hmm. because Mayan ruins are like a way to describe mm -hmm. the archaeological sites in a colloquial way so that we know what we're talking about. But I would like to invite the people who maybe have heard about Chichen Itza, the Tulum ruins, um, or other archaeological sites, to really call them also archaeological sites or temples, ancient Mayan temples, because this is what they are. Um, it's in a more respectful way, mm -hmm. because ruins make it sound very... Um, From old times, it It's doesn't true. exist mm -hmm. anymore, it has collapsed. Mm -hmm. And why do I say that and point that out? Because many people who are coming to Tulum as a traveler, they go to visit these, impre these impressive sites with the old Mayan temples and they think, this is over, this exactly. culture is not existing anymore. Yes. So. When we are now in our conversation talk about the Mayans or the Mayan communities, we are saying by this, the Mayan culture is still alive and thriving yes. today. We are here in sacred Mayan territory yes. and the Mayans are the native indigenous population of these lands. So we are, as travelers or foreigners living here, the guests in their, their lands. Yes, totally. And... Um Mexico is the country with the, I think, the most uh, indigenous, uh, different indigenous communities uh, in their country, no? And Mayan people are one of these. Uh, there is so many others. And Mayan, when you think about that, uh, Mexican people at school, what they learn is that Mayan people are over you know like Mayan culture is over it's the past even in Mexico in the school they like kind of learn that you know 
uh, my colleague, uh, they are Mexican, they were studying in Michoacán, in the um, city of Mexico. Their teacher was saying that, you know. So even for um, Mexican people, they are not really conscious of this beautiful uh, culture they have in their own country. And we know that in Mexico there is a lot of trouble, so, so racism against indigenous people. And here, as you said, we are in the Mayan land, no? and this culture is still alive, but it's in the endangered <laughs> because because they are not really always respected uh, in their or in in who they are, their identity, because um, they, they are struggling between their own traditional culture and this globalized world. Yes. Because also people coming here in the Riviera Tulum, as I said when I started the podcast, a lot of people arriving here arrived in the intention to make money and invest. They don't care about where they are coming. They don't care. So if you arrive in a country or in a place with no respect and no knowledge about where I'm going, what's the land, what's the culture, well, you're, you are part of the destruction of it. You are part of it. Because you, 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 you are not, never going to do the thing in the, it, with respect. You are not going to pay well people, you are not going to be interested by who they are, you are not going to respect the environment, you will just try to have more money, you know. And it's the huge problem. So we are here in a beautiful place, beautiful. Um, the environment is precious. Uh, and people and culture and traditions are precious. But all this, all this is endangered by construction, development, and by people coming here with no interest. Yes. I'm pretty sure that the future of the planet <laughs> will be positive if we start to have a little of empathy for the other, and the other with a big, big O. I mean, here in Mexico, in United States, in Europe, in Africa, you people, we need empathy for, for others. We need to respect, we need to, to start to not, st not live for ourselves, but live with conscious of the other. What I do have an impact, no? I'm also a foreigner here in this country and I can't change that. I can't change that. So the minimum that I can do is being uh, conscious about who I am, where I am, uh, what's the population living here, how I can try to to live in in harmony with them. Uh, you know, it's the least we can do when you arrive in a country, and and I'm asking to everyone coming here to to have this this character, this attitude, empathy and for the tourists coming and for people that come to invest 
they need to start to be interesting by their own environment here. Otherwise, Tulum is going to die and we are going to kill this beautiful place and putting in risk people and local people because they are already in risk. They, are, they have no place to live in Tulum. They, have, they are always in the very low salary job. Um, a lot of foreigners consider them as a less uh, less important than themselves you know so um, foreigners coming here with money yeah they they have the money they can buy everything and we see on the other side of the street local people dealing with with their life so um, it's already, you know, it's already, Tulum has already a lot of troubles, problems. So it's the least we can do as a foreigner, tourist, or, or people coming to live. It's being conscious of that and trying to, to do something also for the best. You're so right. I would like to explain also a little bit why Mexicans themselves don't really um, appreciate the indigenous population and why there is a lot of racism so that has like the roots in the 16th century mm -hmm. where still mexico which was called or part of mesoamerica mm -hmm. where lots of indigenous people were living in these countries that we are now like putting into frontiers right mexico belize guatemala honduras that was not existing in that early times. It was Mesoamerica and there were lots of different cultures living here and of course also fighting against mm -hmm. each other and so on. And then the Spaniards arrived. So the Europeans came and suppressed all mm -hmm. these native cultures and from this um, developed a new generation of then Mexicans that were infiltrated with the belief that everything native um, of native native origin is less, is worse, is mm -hmm. not valuable, is mm, not good because they were not believing in the God, the yeah. Christian God, uh, that also the Spaniards brought. So, and this through the years developed this um, thinking in the Mexican population that natives are less worth less and this is what we live today mm -hmm. and and can experience here in in the place uh, where we live in tulum uh, and so i would like to go back again to the to the troubles right in the mm -hmm. in the main communities that we now know where this comes from uh, that they are facing so basically the biggest problem as i understood correctly is they don't have enough money, right, to sustain themselves. Is that correct? Mm, um, not sure that I will define the problem like this, uh, because I'm not sure it's really a question of money. Um, I think it's more a question about they are, uh, there is so much pressure on them to 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 yeah 
to support a family and there is so much um how I, I could explain there is so much pressure from the society to enter in the society that they are yeah they start to go to find a job in the city because they were thinking at the time i will have money i, I, I will be like better and you know but this in, has impacted the community because the city are so far away from their village that the fact that they live to find a job that they have to leave their family during all day this has a real impact in the community and when when a community start to not be sustainable they are yeah they are look it's like you know the the chicken the egg you know what i mean they, they start to be less sustainable so they are looking for more sustainability and they think that the sustainability will be through the money and the salary they will have so they are going more for a job in the city and more they go more you know it's like this it's like a circle so we really want to convince the teenagers we have that they can stop this cycle and say i stay here in the village and i will develop something that I can be sustainable in my community and being here with my kids and not have to live all day long, leaving my family and my kids alone here, no? And start really to be sustainable inside of the community. I'm convinced that the sustainability is not just a question of money because if you live in your house, you have a beautiful garden and a fertile land and you have food and you have chicken and you have the eggs and you have you don't need huge salary to buy to the shop stuff you know it's <laughs> we can start a philosophical podcast about at the end it's the it's the same question for us you know here we our needs are made by the society so i think i need a car and i think i need a television and i think i need my Netflix uh, subscription and I think I need uh, more dress in my closet and I think because there is this call of from the capitalist society we live in you know and in this village it's kind of the same they ha they feel this call also because they are watching the television because they are connected to this world you know but the big difference is that they live more far away and when they start to to leave their village for for the for a, a low pay job they that impact all the family and all the resource and all the tradition and uh, also the mayan language everything you know so i will correct myself after what you just said it's not a problem about money the problem is more that the people are also not proud of their own culture they are losing this proud yeah. a lot i have a lot of teenagers they say i don't want to speak maya it makes me poor to the eyes of the other of course you know they say that kind of stuff um i did one day an activity with them it was really nice uh where we report i put some column and i say what do you think it's 
it's part of Mayan culture. What is still going on in the community and what it's not, you know. And it was really impacting when we did that because we realized that there is a lot of uh, cult Mayan culture uh, activities or habits that they are not uh, practicing anymore. And it's not big deal, it's normal, it's part of, but the, you know, if they're not doing it anymore, it's going to be loose forever. I would like to add, what are we losing here? Because the Mayans, like when we speak about the old Mayans again here, they were amazing architects, mm -hmm. astrologers, yeah. agriculturists. They were great in maths, they were great in plant medicine, yeah. and so much more. So now I just wanted to say what we lose here, uh, it's so much. Uh, and yeah, it's so, so important that we, like, give back the pride also to the Mayan communities, yeah. right? Yeah, of course. And um, all, the, all this knowledge, they are losing it, you know, to say it well. Um, if, I, if I compare, for example, with my country in Belgium, we have a lot of little village also, where one, 100 years ago, a lot of tradition were existing there. They were speaking some little Uh, language, you know, really specific from the village. Uh, they had a special carnival or, you know, costume. Or, and with the time, they lost it, you know, and now it's in the museum. So it happens also in my country. And, and nobody came to try to save that, you know what I mean? So I don't want really to have the pretension to say that through Movida Maya, we are going to save that. Because I think it's pretentious. Um, and I also want to respect my teenagers, my Mayan teenagers. If they don't want to uh, uh, dress like their grandparents, I want to respect that, you know what I mean? It's part of them also. But what I want, and I really hope we will succeed with it, is that they are conscious about who they are, their history, their tradition. What could they take from it and maybe do it like more modern, you know, like in the textile or something, and that could bring back the economy in the village. Because I understand that they don't want to live like their grandparents. I didn't want to live like my grandparents either. So I can't say, oh, because I feel your culture is beautiful, you should live. I, ha I can't say that. Who I am to say that, you know? I have to respect them. I have to respect the fact that they want to be part of this world, to grow up, to be different than their, their grandparents. But what I want is to support them to find a job uh, sustainable inside of their community, uh, respecting the environment, uh, working with their environment. At the end, I want to help them to be human being, conscious, intelligent, smart, proud 
of their history. And, and that's the most important, helping them to make their own village more sustainable, using their tradition, but not living only by their tradition. You know, it's a huge difference. They have to be proud of their history, who they are, but they are allowed to transform it because they want to be part of this world and we can understand that and we have to respect that. Otherwise, it, it will be not right. There is this scene in the movie where an anthropologist is going in a tribute in the Amazon and he's studying the tribute and so, and at the point he, he's leaving and in the boat when he's leaving, he realized he forgot his compass and he starts to cry on the boat and he say, we need to go back. We need to go back for my compass. And everybody in the boat were like, it's not big deal. We can leave the compass. And he's like, no, you don't understand. If they have access to my compass, they are going to lose all their own knowledge to look at the stars and, you know. And this scene impact me because who is this guy to say that this tribute has no right to access to the technology. So that's also a problem. We are coming with our own vision of that. Oh, the community or culture is so beautiful and they have to continue to live because we think it's beautiful, but we live with technology and we live with English and we live with internet and we live uh, traveling, but they, the, no, it's better than not because otherwise they are going to lose everything. No who we are to say that. It's important for me to say this because I really want to respect my young Mayan teenagers. I want to respect them uh, in what their desire to be part of the society. And I'm not going to push them uh, to go out of their village because my goal is to say, take conscious of your all the beauty you have around you and what you can do with that, with your environment, with your history, with your tradition. But you want to do something different, uh, to modernize it, to create a web page, to sell something, textile from your village, do it. You can be part of this world too, you know, and it's important for me to, to respect that. I don't know if I say it well in English, Super what? great, super. Thank you so <laughs> much. Great. Thank you so much. And um, so, just to wrap up, of what Movida Maya does? Um, mm -hmm. Did I understand right that Movida Maya is a platform basically where you support native Mayans with the tools to educate their own people we have five uh, thematics really like sustainable living uh, agriculture health wellness history and tradition and, and environment of course uh, so this is the five thematics and through them we have uh, always we try to develop leadership we do for example in the program about environment we are going to work about the thematic of water and we are going to invite a biologist we are going to do another day a field trip in a cenote we are going to do analysis of the water of the village we are going to do experiment to understand how the water can be contaminated we are going to do art to build a reusable bottle 
we are going to do announcement in the shop of the village to push people to not buy a plastic water bottle but refill we are etc etc no we are going to invite doctors to to talk about uh, health and how to be healthy to talk about violence to talk about uh, women rights <laughs> uh, because there is a lot a lot a lot of problems about um, violence we invite the most of people we can because we are convinced also that at that age as a teenager you can really sometimes catch have a good contact with a role model you know so the intention is that they, they can really connect with different people and start to to see oh there is a veterinarian I like this or oh there is a chef I would like to know more about it uh, and for example, we invite a chef, um, and now we have a, a, a young Ochoa. He's doing an internship with him, you know, to learn about being a chef. And the idea is to maybe one day he can create his own garden and, you know, making food. So, concretely, uh, is this, no? We spend years with them, uh, daily uh, activities to open their horizons, that they can learn a lot, that they can s see what they can do with their own resources. No? And later, we help them to develop their professional career. We can see uh, small success, for example, in the attitude of the, the teenagers, you know? We had some young uh, girl they arrived they were like so so like this close you know they were not answering us they were like super shy they you know and now they are standing up and proud and they talk and they have ideas and they you know and this is huge i love when i have uh this girl one day dara that said to me you know, I think I want to be a lawyer. I want to support the women of my community. There is so many problems and I see the women of my community always fighting, always complaining. I want to do something. I want, you know, and when I listen that, I know that it's coming from the activities we do, you know. What I'm also wondering, because you touched it already before a little bit, this topic, what I find interesting, um, you as a foreigner, Mm -hmm. coming to these communities and talking with them about these uh, things. Um, how do they see you as a foreigner? And um, do you have any learnings from this? Like when people, travelers come to Tulum? I will be always seen as a foreigner and I will be always seen as the werita, how they say, you know, the white the blonde, girl. white blonde. girl. Always. And I can't change that. And I think the good um, attitude and good way when you want to connect with local people is to accept that. Don't try to be, to, don't try to be them. I mean, you're not. You have to just accept that. And I, and I accept that. Yes, I, I probably had more luck than than some of them because I arrived from Belgium that I had money to come here I had my family that could support if I had a problem I have diploma I speak three languages maybe easier you know yes I have probably more money than them all that, that you have to 
accept. You don't have to play the poor girl or the poor, you know, like, oh, I'm, no, just be you. And also be respectful. Don't pretend you know better than them. You know, it will be colonialism. We don't want to uh, fall in this, you know. I don't know better than them. I'm just here. I could be in Africa, I could be in Belgium, I could be in France, I could be in the United States, but I'm here. This is my home now. So what I can do in my life well, I think is this, social work. So if I'm Belgium, I will do social work. If I'm in France, I will do social work. If I'm in India, I will do that. But I'm here, so I will do that. And I'm doing it. So it's what I say always to the community, the parents, the chef of the community, because with them I have always to, to fight a little, to, to say, no, I'm not, the, not, not here with a ton of money to give you, you know, because sometimes they see, starting they were seeing me like this, no, oh, the white girl that coming with money to give us gifts and stuff. But no, I have no gift to, to offer to you, except the fact that I will spend time with your kids. If you want to, to connect with people, if you want to be with them and spend with them, just be you, respect them, don't try to bring them the, the truth or whatever. That's not the idea. They know so much more than you and you have so much to learn from you. I learn every day from them. Be respectful and go always with intention. Intention to learn from them, intention to share moments. Speaking about the intention to connect with them, how or is it possible that people who are listening now um, can connect with uh, your project, Movida Maya? Can they volunteer? Oh, yeah. Can they donate? Uh, how does that work? Yeah, of course. Um, we, we need support, of course, uh, because, you know, nonprofits are working just by donation. So, donations are always. Uh, a huge support honestly because every day we go to the community it's gasoline we have to pay uh, then we have field trip we have materials we have a team now also um, and in my team by the way I want to say that that uh, last month we uh, employed for the first time an ex young participant of Movida Maya as a leader of the team and that's a dream coming true because we I always hope that one day Movida Maya will work by itself in the community. The young, you know, the young one participant, they start one day will be the leaders, you know, and it's, we are starting. So Edouard is from Chumpon. He was assisting in 2018 and 19, the, the program, and now he's part of the team. So we have a team. I want to be correct also. Uh, paying them well and so yeah donations are always a support even a small donation is always a support uh, in our web page you can find the link uh, to have uh, paypal and whatever for donation but also um, volunteer but volunteer i'm really strict <laughs> because i don't want I don't want to bring people every week uh, also i feel it's not respectful for the community and for the kids to have someone coming and most of the time people come and they want taking pictures for the Instagram and saying, oh, I visit the community, it was so cute. Well, it's not so cute, you know, it's difficult. There are people, real people here. So we don't accept that anymore. We, I ac we accept, of course, volunteer, 
but when um, the volunteer come with an intention and something to share and we ask for a minimum of four weeks so for example you are a biologist in your country and you want to offer that knowledge uh, once a week during four weeks to our kids with experiment or something well please welcome or you are spending here time in Tulum during six months and you have the English you can teach welcome once a week teach English but not just for two weeks it's yeah, we need people more like a little more time and they can reconnect with the teenagers and you know really creating something and sharing so but yes we need volunteers we are very open to any kind of project but if you want to volunteer come with your project and we we can work on it just a like on our instagram or can help because sometimes there is like foundation they look at your instagram to see if you are well present you know on the social media and they give you grant or so it's like part of like if you are well if you have followers and so it's always helping also because if you follow our instagram maybe one of your friends also will see that and will well you know how it works yeah. and i will of course put all the info well, the website and instagram in the mm -hmm. show notes so people can uh, directly find it yes. you live now almost 10 years in mexico yes uh, in tulum and is there anything you're struggling with sometimes i'm but this is my character so i'm and i'm come from uh, a, a country where uh, you know, it's easy to to go on the street to scream for your right or the bad political decision or say, you know. And here in Mexico, it's not. And I'm not Mexican, so I can't even vote, you know. And sometimes for me, it's really hard because sometimes I'm like looking all my friends, Mexican friends, I'm like, why are you not going in the street and like fighting for this and, and against this? And, uh, and they're like, you don't understand. You are speaking because you are European with your own vision. But here it's not like this. And we learn to live in a different way. So I'm starting to understand that, that when you are born as a Mexican, you trust more about your cha the change you can do through your small action because fighting against the country and the politics and the cartels and the corruption is just kind of impossible and you put your own life on risk so i start to understand that but sometimes i'm struggling with it because i want i see so because also it's schizophrenic my work is really schizophrenic i spend all day in my own community where kids are struggling to go to school, where there is the cartels coming to, to influence, you know, and the, the teenagers to come, where there is alcoholism, blah, blah, blah. And then I come back to Tulum, where there is now people really, really, really rich coming here and building huge, huge, huge house and condo. And, and you go to the beach and it's 200 pesos, your cocktail. And I know that the man that is serving me is, will be paid the same, that just one cocktail. So for me, sometimes it's like so schizophrenic because I'm always in these two worlds and sometimes I want to 
to change the things, you know, and, and I can't, well, I can't, I try to do some stuff through my work, but I mean, there is so many corruption. I love Tulum and at the same time, sometimes Tulum makes me so angry. And, and at the same time, I think that living in Tulum never teach me so much about the world. Uh, it's a mini, mini world, a reflection of the world, you know. In Tulum, you have this huge gap between poor and rich. You have this problem of corruption, of contamination, but also the beauty of the world. Everything in the same place. So many people from so many different countries, uh, Mexican people from so many different regions. So it's like a, a mini, mini world. So it's giving you a good view of how it's the world is working and why it's not working well. <laughs> you described that so well. I absolutely feel the same. Yeah. And with this picture of this small world, uh, which Tulum is, is there any advice you can give to travelers who come here? Don't go on Instagram. Open your eyes yourself to... to to Tulum in a different way than Instagram because uh, Instagram will give you always a fake view, a beautiful one, of course, no? but there is so many more true place, real place no? uh, in Tulum and you have to look for this. You have to leave a little the Tulum, the local Tulum to understand Tulum. I have some friends, they just came here during one month and they left now and this, the last day they said to us it's funny because the first week we were here in Tulum we were not really understanding why everybody's speaking of Tulum and it, it's difficult to understand and it's like uh. and when they left they say now we understand spending one month biking because they were biking all the time and try to connect with the local life and daily life in Tulum they understood because there is so many beautiful places, there is so many beautiful people, uh, a lot of a lot of creative people, uh, not just artists. I mean, creative in their life, in the their way to to be in, in the life. Um, so, just quit Instagram for a moment and open yourself to to, to look. You were saying that there are so many beautiful places around. Is there some place you can recommend to travelers who come here that's one of your favorite spots for example well of course i love siankan but it's still a little uh, the nature reserve the natural reserve biosphere uh, it's still you can go on a tour with me there uh. Uh, yeah uh, it's still preserved but it's also at risk as you know uh, so but there is it's this disconnecting you a little from the high activity in Tulum. So you go in Siankan and it's a peaceful place, a lot of birds, nature. And if, if you open yourself to Siankan, you will open yourself to, to the challenge of this world and why it's so important to preserve nature and why it's so important to preserve the coast and the mangrove and and you will understand that when you travel through Siankan. 
Uh, I love the asadero with Marco, also that I know it's been ten years, but I go there for a lovely night with your lover or some friends. It's the price are totally correct and the food is really good. Uh, to go to the beach is kind of challenging now for us local people because every beach club asks, you know, $50 consummation, blah, blah, blah. But there is one place I, I love. It's a new place and it was built by my friends here, by Quetzal, Lisa, Marco, Joshua. It's all my friends here and they grew up in Tulum. Uh, it's been forever. They are here and, and they get associate for this beach club because they realize that there is every all the beach club in Tulum were like from big company now and really close to the local people so they developed this beach club in the intention to do something more more easy going you know and it's called Cinco Tulum and I love the atmosphere uh, the food is delicious uh, the place is nice they are nice all the team is the staff is really good so i really uh just can recommend to everyone to go there it's a really nice place ical is really nice also there is still this community atmosphere oh and take a bike in tulum be lost a little in the street to understand you know how it's so ugly and beautiful at the same time <laughs> this is also always what I say. It's so two-sided. It's yeah. so ugly and so beautiful yeah. at the same, same time. time. Wow. So thank you yeah. so much for all these recommendations. I will put all that in the show notes so the people can find this. Yeah. And um, so now I have two last quick questions to wrap up our episode. Um, when you drive on the highway into Tulum, there are lots of big billboards, mm. yeah, and whether restaurants advertise and the beach clubs advertise. So if you could rent one of these billboards for free, what would it say? What would you put on it? There is something I could say to everyone coming here to invest, you know, and to build. I will say going fast is not the same than going somewhere. Environment is no one property to destroy. It's everyone's responsibility to protect. Mm -hmm. I think it's a terrible situation here in Tulum, the question of environmental question, because of the cenote we have, because of the rainforest we ha have here, because the this beautiful biosphere, one of the most important biosphere in Mexico, just on our side, and builders, People coming here to build, they don't know it. Or they don't don't want to see it. But they need to understand that the, they are not the owner of this rainforest. And they should take care of it. Because it's our home yeah, for humanity. <laughs> not just for animals. It's for everyone. It's our home. So we need to protect that. And Tulum is really in danger. So that's the two. Thank you. Thank you for thing. sharing these <laughs> important messages. And let's hope it will come true. One last question. Tulum in one single word. What does it mean to you? Tulum is home and love <laughs> for me. 
beautiful. Thank you so much. Is there anything you would like to say before we say goodbye? No, I will say to your listeners that they should come uh, if they want to have a beautiful experience also. Uh, and not just, you know, staying here to because it's a place to be now. It's a really famous place to be, Tulum. But it's a place where you can really live a lot of experience with Mayan people, with wellness experience, with environmental experience. So if you come here, be open to that because there is difficult stuff going on in Tulum, but there is so many beautiful people and beautiful projects also. Thank you, Anais, so much for this conversation and for building bridges between cultures with your project Movida Maya. I personally feel very, very grateful for your work because I think that, of course, with more equality in between cultures, it's also the base for a more peaceful mm -hmm. world, right? So, yes. Yumbotik or yeah, Olal, <laughs> which means thank you in yes, Mayan. Yes. And uh, thank you so much. Thank Anais. you. Gracias por la invitación. Gracias. I hope this episode inspired you to live your dream and explore the world in your own unique way. Tune in soon for another inspiring story from the women living in Tulum, Mexico. Hasta pronto. Your Tulumi Niña.